0: Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation.
1: Well, thank you. I'd like to thank IDS for their support as always. And uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, I'm really excited to, to get into a conversation. Uh, we're talking with Steve Healy. He is the CEO of PokeWorks, PokeWorks restaurant brand here in the U.S. and uh, And maybe some expansion plans we'll talk about. Um, but I uh, wanted to introduce you to the show. It's great to have you, Steve.
0: Great to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me.
1: You got it. You got it. So, you know, the first question I love to start with, with guys like you is, with a long career like you've had, you know, how did you wind up where you are and what, what does it look for, like for your future? What are your plans for Works?
0: I started in the restaurant business when I was 14 years old. So um, I started as a dishwasher, worked through in restaurants all through high school and college. And I kind of fell in love with the business. So I've been fortunate and had the opportunity to work with a number of great people and, and great companies over the years. And, um, you know, I just was always um, hungry to learn more, you know, and kind of hone my craft. And so uh, because I've had experiences working with some great people and great companies, I, you know, just always look to hone my skill sets and experience. And so I've gotten exposed to a lot of great people. Um, and great talents, whether it's operations, marketing, finance, on the investment side. So uh, I've been really fortunate that I've, I've had that opportunity to work with, with great people and learn a lot over the years.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I've just in meeting you briefly before we had a chance to do this, you know, uh, I know that one of your strengths is, you know, strategic thinking and innovation Uh, You know, and you're at a point with your brand now where you're really starting to ramp up your growth. And you've done a few of these now, right, Uh, of these uh, location launches and and growing. But how how do you, you know, as a CEO of a brand like that, what are some of the key ingredients that enable you to, I guess, both launch quickly and successfully and then be able to grow a location fast?
0: Sure. Well, the, the founders of our company did a great job with the concept, with the brand, with the food. Um, You know, they perfected what we call Poké Your Way, which is um, total customization of Poké Bowls. Prior to that, Poké Bowls were served um, a la minute, prepared. And so the the founders really created a great brand and a great great concept. So what we've looked to do is just enhance that, continue to innovate it. Poké has gone mainstream. Um, there was you know, a perception four or five years ago that maybe poke was a trend. It was a flash in the pan. Uh, we'll fast forward to today. Poke is now a clear category in fast casual. You can find poke, wor- or poke restaurants anywhere in the U.S., any town, any city, and around the world. Uh, it's a uniquely American product. Um, and the, the, the great news is that particularly younger consumers – they have embraced poke. They love to eat poke. It's part of their regular rotation of what they want to eat in their restaurant visits, and so the the potential for the number of consumers that want to eat poke is continuing to grow, and it's become accepted and and fairly commonplace now. So you know our our you know our mission is really to bring our high quality poke a food and experience, you know, we we called it um, you know, share happiness um to consumers throughout the US and potentially the world. Um and so we, you know we we're we're on that on that path and we're we're building the the team and the group of franchise owners and all of that to to be able to realize that that vision.
1: Yeah. I th- thought I saw something about expanding into Canada. Is that What does that look like for you guys right now?
0: Yeah, we, we, um, we're very fortunate. We partnered with a great group uh, in Canada. Um, they're going to be our master franchisors there. So their plan is to open 50 stores over the next 10 years. Um, uh, George and Alex, our partners there, were, were very successful restaurateurs, very successful developers. Um, they were responsible for bringing Firehouse to Canada, launched that successfully, grew that brand, and so they they understand the market. Uh, they're they're fantastic operators, and so you know we we couldn't have found a better partner to launch in Canada. So yeah, we've we've started to look at international as a as a growth strategy. We we currently have PokerWorks in Mexico. We opened in Taiwan. Um, this last year. So kind of our entry to Asia. Um, we, we think that could potentially be a great market. And then we're gonna be uh, launching a, a, in the Middle East uh, this next spring. We have a partnership with a company called Talibot, They're the biggest delivery company in the Middle East. And they're now um, opening their own virtual kitchens. So we will launch in the Middle East as a virtual brand Ultimately, we'd like to have brick and mortar stores there, but this is a great way for us to, to launch in the market with a great partner, and get brand exposure and um, and um, see how the consumers in the Middle East respond to uh, to PokeWorks.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So that that model that model you just mentioned is that something you would do here or anywhere else? The virtual model is that something that is an enhancement just for that market, or is it something that might work everywhere?
0: Well I think yeah, the, the definition of restaurants is being continually redefined. And virtual kitchens are now restaurants. And you know for the consumer when they're ordering for takeout and delivery, um, they don't really know, and I'm not sure they care if it comes out of a brick and mortar restaurant or it comes out of a virtual kitchen in a warehouse, right? So we do operate virtual kitchens today. We have partnerships with third parties like Doordash that operate virtual kitchens. We have uh, some franchisees that operate virtual kitchens and we just recently opened uh, a company operation on virtual kitchens. So um, we're continuing to study that space and look at that as a potential expansion vehicle for us. On, and it's really about how do we reach the consumers where they want to meet us, right? I think the consumer has redefined how they want to use restaurants, how they define convenience, and so it's about meeting the, the consumer where they're at and where they might be heading. So, yes, we're looking at that as, you know, a potential uh, way of, of growing the brand and, um, and meeting those consumers.
1: Yeah. I mean, was, was that, did COVID have anything to do with that innovation or was that just something that was on your radar well before that?
0: Well, I think we all know COVID accelerated what was already a trend in the restaurant business. So prior to COVID people were ramping up their usage of third-party delivery, um, online ordering, all of those things. And during COVID, I I think what happened and I think most people in the industry agree is that some folks that were sort of sitting on the sidelines or weren't as likely to use um, digital ordering they had to use digital ordering, or they couldn't. They couldn't use restaurants. So you had this whole group of folks that were sort of, yeah, it sounds good, but I don't know if I want to order from these delivery companies or pay a delivery fee. Now the the circumstances of COVID um, created this whole new set of users who said, wow, I kind of like this, and I kind of like the convenience, and I kind of like the fact that you know whether I'm working from home or you know I don't want to get up off the couch, um, I can have food brought to me. And brands that otherwise wouldn't have done delivery pre-COVID were forced to do delivery. I mean, you had like premium steak houses now you know, delivering $70 steaks to people at home <laughs> where in the past they would kind of turn their nose up at it and said, oh, no, no, we can't do that. That it won't be the same experience and the consumer will never accept it. And what the consumers have said is we'll judge that and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be the judges of what we accept. And I think the consumer intuitively knows if they order something for delivery, it's not going to be the exact same experience in the steak example. You're not going to get it on a sizzling platter. Right. <laughs> so right. it certainly accelerated um, the adoption and use of, of digital ordering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like an opportunity too. like you said, people are, are buying differently. They're, experiencing differently. We all do that every day with technology. It's like, why did I do it that way so long when I could have been doing it this way? Sure. Um, and, and I think that's, you're right. COVID kind of forced some folks to change a little and now they're saying, Hey, I wouldn't mind that or that worked out. All right. Um, so that's pretty amazing. So going back to the marketing a little bit, um, you know, you have poke, which is a unique uh, product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have some unique ideas about expansion And I also read a little something about, you know, you guys do like, and I think there's a little of a community outreach strategy, but the fundraising that you guys do, like tell me a little bit about how that impacts marketing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of marketing is local marketing. So, you know, we're, we're, we're 70 restaurants today. So we're not a huge brand. Um, We have a pretty big footprint. We're in 20 some States. In the U.S. and so you know we're not big enough to do like media, right? Uh, broad media, and um, so a lot of our marketing is about building awareness and trial in the markets that we're in. And I think you know our approach has always been engage the consumers in that market, become a part of the community. And that's easy to say. A lot of brands say that. Um, you know, fundraisers are a great way for us to to actualize on that. And we actually partner with a company um, that does most uh, fundraising. In the old days, you know, you'd know, you go out and tell people we do fundraisers and put out flyers and all that. But in the digital age, now there's several companies out there that are what I call consolidators. So let's say I'm a, a group. Let's say I'm a, a frat house, for example, and we want to do a fundraiser. You can go to these websites. You can look at all the organizations that are doing fundraisers, and you can kind of sign up online to do a fundraiser so we partner with a company um, recently and we're just starting to roll this out where um, uh, consumers can um, very easily sign up to do a fundraiser at a poke works um, near them and you know we donate 25 percent of the the proceeds of the fundraiser to that organization and it's a great way of of not only um, supporting the communities for our existing guests, but it's a chance to expose the brand to new guests. So, you know, about 50% of the guests that come to these fundraisers have probably never visited a PokéWorks. So it's a great way of of doing good and giving back to the community while um, uh, exposing the brand to consumers that might not have have otherwise tried uh, PokéWorks. So that's just one of the things we do sort of on a community basis. Our franchise owners are fabulous in their communities on you know, really being involved um, and really supporting their individual communities. And we encourage that and really like our, our franchise owners to be, um, and they live in those communities. That's what's great about being a franchise company is that our franchise owners have a stake in their communities. They live there, they're part of the community, they operate in the community. So the more that they um, engage that community and in ways that feel genuine to them, um, it's super valuable. I mean, uh, to have that ethos as a company.
1: No, I, I saw that, and I thought to myself, something so simple and so brilliant at the same time. I don't think it gets lost on me in this conversation. Um, I, I think today, I mean, first of all, you're exposing a new group to something that's unique and a high quality product, right? So it's like, it's like, cool. I I, I did this feel good thing, and now I got exposed to something different that I didn't know about. And there you go. But the idea also too, is that in our market, and maybe you can, you know, if if you agree, let me know. But I feel like the buyers in our world today are more socially conscious, right? We're all, we're thinking community. We're thinking, take care of each other a little more. And when a business owner can extend that and be generous the way, you know, that you just mentioned, I think it's just, it leaves an impact on people. Like you never forget those kinds of things, right? If you love the food, then you might just become a lifetime customer. So, but anyway, what are your thoughts? I mean, I just think that's the way people buy too. It's almost like you might be ahead of the curve, but more folks need to be thinking this way, right? I mean, you're serving the community while you're doing business.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think also it's, you know, a lot of our consumers are um, millennial and Gen Z. And I think generationally, those consumers really want to know, like as a company, do you have an ethos? What do you stand for, and do you care? Um, sometimes it's it's simple things like being compassionate, and that's you know what we we talk with our team members about a lot. You can talk about service all day long, but something as simple as being compassionate with a guest, um, whether it's they're confused, they don't know what to order, they're having a problem, their order was wrong, whatever, just extending that compassion and um you know engaging people at that level i think is really important and it can apply to bigger issues like sustainability you know for us that's really important we use only uh, certified sustainable seafood um you know another example we recently made a commitment to going cage free by the end of next year on eggs um which is a big commitment on the supply chain side but you know we feel those kinds of things uh, not only are the right thing to do right but um, uh, because, you know, of who we are and what we believe, but also that, you know, there, there are guests that those kinds of things matter that, that you care. Um, I mean, you know, restaurants aren't political organizations, but, um, and you don't want to be political. You just want to do the right thing. That's sort of, you know, part of our core values is do the right thing. And so we, we, we really, that's part of our decision-making filter, right? (laughs) What we're doing is it the right thing? Whether it's how we interact with our guests, how we interact with our franchise partners, how we interact with each other, um, and I think that if you apply that, you know, to decisions as you're making them as an organization, generally you'll you'll directionally be right, and you know, people can see that. You know, they, you know, you can make a lot of claims, but what it comes down to is it really genuine, and do you do you walk the talk, right?
1: Yeah, the genuine part, right? It, it, and the empathy, like the word empathy is what I'm thinking of, right? And it's something we don't use a lot or say a lot. I don't know if I say it a lot in marketing, but it's really, I feel like marketing today is is being empathetic to the buyers in the world, right? And how they live and what they're you know, what they care about and how they think. And the other side I was thinking of when you were talking is as a leader of the brand and, and your team and your franchise owners and their teams, that motivates them too right um you know they feel good about what they're doing every day beyond what they're doing every day which is already good but i mean taking it a little further gives you a little bit more of a purpose in your community and a why but that's great the commitments you're talking about and i know another side of of the marketing that gets into um, and i wanted to make sure i at least talked about it a little bit was just the technology right everything you just mentioned you know the virtual kitchens and the online ordering and and being visible on google when you're a restaurant right for directions and the way consumers look for things today tell me a little bit about your approach to that how do, how do you sort that out is there any any uh things that you've done as as a as a ceo that you feel like have made an impact from that point of view
0: Oh, well, we've done a lot as a company. I mean we, we uh, particularly over last year, have invested heavily in, in all of our digital infrastructure. So we, we basically kind of scraped what we had and rebuilt it. Uh, everything from website to our loyalty app to our mobile ordering site to um, uh, you know, how we sell gift cards, you know how we communicate nutritional information to our consumers, our partnerships with the third party delivery companies um so we've we've invested heavily in it and it's not just to drive sales but it's also about the user experience you know we you know you think about restaurants in the traditional sense as i go visit a restaurant it's not just food it's an experience so we always look at it through the lens what's the user experience like for example if i'm ordering off the website um what 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 is engaging about that website? Is it is it user friendly? Is it something that I want to spend some time there? Um, you know, even something as simple as food photographs. You 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 know you want those food photographs to really represent what your product looks like. So if I'm ordering, then I, I say, okay, I know what the product looks like and when it shows up at my door. It looks like that, right? And things like customization. I mean, today the consumer wants. Ultimately, they want to be in control. They want to customize their food the way they want it, the way they like to. And for us that's a brand advantage because we have such a great platform. If you want to eat vegan, you can eat vegan. If you want to eat raw, you can eat raw. If you want to eat cooked proteins, you can have all the flavor combinations. you know if you want to eat keto, you can eat keto, paleo. So a lot of guests are mindful and they want to know like if I use this brand, do they have a solution for me or can I find a solution with how I use that brand and how I, how I, um, how I choose to eat. So we've really been mindful of that and invested as much in the experience side because technology is, is just a tool, right? What you want ideally is for it to be as seamless and user friendly and represent your brand as much as possible, because, you can go out and create a website and get on the third-party delivery platforms, but what's the experience like to consumer? And what happens if something goes wrong? I mean, we have a full-time customer support team that if you have any issue, um, they respond. If, if we get a bad review on social media, they reach out to that consumer. We monitor all of our social media channels daily. So it's being in touch with, not only that we have a great platform, but as we get feedback, we're aware of that and we're reacting and responding to our guests um, to, to ensure that you know we deliver on the promise.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's, that's really good stuff. I gotta say, like, it's really dialed in what you're saying. I mean, and as a consumer, um, I, I know that because like when things are easier and I'm a tech guy, I am. And I, you know, I live in the world of tech and software and I, and I enjoy it. Yeah. But like when something is easier and it works, I become loyal to it. Right. right? I mean, assuming things are constant, like I like the food, but you know, it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility there, too. But I my mean, point is, is that that is so true. And when someone has that good experience, they stay connected to that. We're in such a busy world. We only have so many, we have more than choices than we have time for. So it is that, right? It's that experience that says, I can repeat this. This works. It was a good experience. And yeah, technically, there's a lot going on in the background, but on the front, it's just simple, right? Right. And uh, yeah, amazing stuff. And I think that is so key to the, again, we've been talking about marketing growth, right? All that in order for a franchise owner to be successful, that's the kind of stuff that just helps, right? Sticks. Helps those customers become loyal and stick. So yeah. that's amazing. And yeah, it, it, I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. Us and our franchise owners, the opportunity to build on that um, and to optimize it, right? So there, there is, you know, there is commercial value in that. It's not, yeah, we want to have a great guest experience, but we also want to optimize all the opportunities to serve our guests in the ways that they want to use a brand. So we're constantly looking at, I mean, we're, we're doing a test with kiosk ordering, and I'm not saying we're going to have kiosks in every PokéWorks because there's some guests that come in and they like to go through the whole experience of going down the line and customizing their bowl and all that. There's other guests that come in, let regular guests, they know exactly what they want. And so for them, I'd rather just go to, a, you know, they'd rather just go to a kiosk, which is you know, really a wonderful user experience, order their bowl on the kiosk, they, they pay, their, their credit card stored, and they're done. They pick up their bowl and they can go. Um, and there's a lot of folks that actually prefer that, you know, to having to wait in a line and, you know, go down and interact and all that. So um, it's just one way we're looking at how do we meet the It's sort of how does technology meet people? <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're always looking at that intersection and how do we, you know, constantly improve and innovate around meeting that intersection between technology and people.
1: Yeah. Was just, when you were telling me about the kiosk, I'm thinking of, my, of some of the long lines of, of different places I've been that that would have been handy because <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm the guy that says, I, I get the same thing every time, pretty much. Um,
0: yeah, you know, So exactly. I right. If I have that opportunity to order a kiosk. I mean, there's a restaurant here that I use frequently that I like probably once a week and um, I'll use it for dine in. Like if I'm meeting somebody for lunch or that, but Man, I love it. I can just, you know, either order online or they have kiosks. I can go in. I don't have to wait in the scrum of the line. And, you know, I I order my my lunch, do some email, you know, six minutes later, my food's ready. Boom, I'm gone. So for me, that that was great.
1: <laughs> uh, totally. And, and, you know, marketing is all about meeting people where they are, like you said, right? Knowing that there's there's a lot of different choices today. And I think more consumers are becoming more flexible, meaning they're looking for more options, right? They're expecting more options. They, you know what I mean? And and it sounds like you guys are constantly pushing the envelope and testing and figuring out what do they want. Right. So that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly. so key. Um, so listen, we're, we're approaching the end of the episode. I want to make sure that we uh, we have a little, uh, little additional time here just to right. kind of, you know, is there anything you wanted to leave with the audience? You know, guys like you, when I, when I get a chance to talk to you, I know that you're around a lot of great people. you've had a lot of great experiences, but is there a, any guiding principle or, or one thing that you and your team kind of kind of think about a lot that helps you, you know, drive and grow and, and, and be successful?
0: Yeah, what I've learned um, in, in leadership roles is you know you have your, your business plan and you have your, um, your goals. and in most companies are, are looking to grow. What I've learned that sort of some fundamentals are, are are one, particularly as a CEO, um, you, you really want to surround yourself with the right people in the right seats, right? Um, and either folks that, I mean, I don't know everything for sure. I'm a generalist. I know a lot about a lot of different areas, but, um, you know, I want to make sure that I have the right talent around me, given the resources that I have and and look to, to find folks that complement you know, skill sets I lack or that the the organization needs, right? So, you know, building building talented teams, but also within the framework of, you know, um, I think it's important that you know, as leaders and as companies that you have a sense of who you are. And, you know, we have a set of core values at PokeWorks, for example. And what I've learned is if you find people that share your core values those people are going to be happy, successful, and they'll be a great fit. If they're not a fit for the core values, it doesn't mean they're bad people. There's probably another company out there that has different core values that'd be a great fit for, but it never seems to quite work well if they're not a good fit for those core values. So being um, aware and clear of what, what are your core values, either as a leadership team or an ownership group, um, and you know being true to those, whatever they are, right? They're not good or bad, they just are what they are. And, and ensuring that as part of your, your process of building your organization, even franchise owners, I mean, if you find franchise owners that are a good fit for core values, the same principle applies, you know, you'll, you'll have a much, um, much more cohesive relationship. And, you know, uh, it'll it'll be easier to, as you go through the ups and downs, that, you know, everybody is sort of thinking in the same way about, um, you know, what, what's important and what they, you know, you hold near and dear. Yeah.
1: Now that's, that's fortune 500 consulting. You know what I mean? Like, no, first of all, having them, right. Having the core values, mm-hmm. defining them well, and then communicating them well. And then you, you are able to build a team around you and a culture around you where people are you know thinking and pulling in the same direction. And, and it is malleable, right. As things come at you and, Come at your employees, they they do, they apply that sort of filter, right? Yeah. And 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 honestly, that is the franchise world. I mean, at least for the good brands, right? You know, you, if you're a franchise owner, if you're looking at considering at becoming a franchise owner, that's that's the power of it, is that you're you're backed by this, this, this uh platform, this foundation that has those things that, that might seem, oh, we'll get to it later. No, no, you need to do it in the beginning. Right. Like if you're not thinking that way and you build a whole team around you, it's it might be too late. Right. It's going to be very difficult to undo if you don't already define your core values and have the right team based on that around you. So that's that's amazing. Listen, uh, is there anywhere your uh, folks are interested in in the business or obviously in in the uh, restaurant? Is there a website you'd want to share with the audience?
0: Yeah www.pokerworks.com, and we, we do have a franchise portion of that website which you know provides some some great information about the brand and about um if you're interested in being a franchisee. there's it's it's information rich and um you know we we are just really starting to ramp up our growth um you know at 70 restaurants there are huge areas of the country that we're looking to um, connect and form partnerships with great franchise owners you know, we're really looking to penetrate, you know, probably the top 30 metros in the US. And so there's a lot of opportunity for us. So um, yeah, we're actively looking for you know great franchise owners that want to partner up with us. And we've got a team that's ready to um, to engage and respond and and you know um, answer questions or take people on a journey if they want to explore franchising with pokerworks.
1: Well, I tell you, Steve, it's been a pleasure having you here today. And I can tell you sitting in, front, in my seat and having the background I have, everything you're talking about is amazing. You know what I mean? It's the right timing for what I see. And so I wish you all the luck. I hope to have one here near me in Colorado soon. I think there's some coming up you, you mentioned, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate it.
0: For is opening uh, in December. So very, very beautiful about that. So look for that. If you're, if you, you know, if you're close to Denver, um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. I really appreciate um, the kind words. Thank you.
1: Yeah. You got it. It's great having you. And I'd like to thank uh, the audience again for uh, this episode, for tuning in to Franchise Marketing Radio and bye for now.